Welcome to Sermon Seasonings, the podcast of Christchurch Gladesville, where we look in more depth at the passage that we studied on Sunday. I'm David Mears. And I'm Mandy Curley. On Sunday, Mike Allen opened for us Jeremiah's chapters 11 to 20, a massive section, but he helpfully looked at and helped us to see that Jeremiah was given the challenging word and a hard mission to proclaim God's judgment to a rebellious people. It was such a challenge, wasn't it, Dave? Uh, it was... Um an amazing series of chapters and uh, there are a couple of things that as I was listening to Mike preach and I was reflecting upon what Jeremiah had to do and you're going man what a you could easily I remember there's a point where the prophet Elijah feels like he's all alone I can Mm. imagine Jeremiah feeling like that and some of the things that hit home to me was um uh the the message that that the own he's from Anathoth and that the people from Anathoth his own hometown wanted to kill him, and mm. and uh, you remember that Pat, where where Jesus says it's only in a in a prophet's hometown where they're without honor. honor, and and it makes me think that Jesus was maybe reflecting upon Jeremiah's experience here. But the thing about Anathoth, that well, I think we've got to hear the the weight of this, is that I don't think we we pretty much don't hear of it anywhere else in the Bible. So this, we're not talking about a major city here; mm. we're talking about it probably a small town everyone who had known each other. And imagine that, your own neighbours and friends going, you know, you are such a pain and we're so offended by you and everything you stand for that we want you to die. They're mm. your friends and neighbours. other thing, I was reflecting upon the linen belt thing. <laughs> it makes you think of some of the things God gets Ezekiel to do mm. as well. Where There's these crazy signs. But imagine that. You, part of his message was to spend a month walking over to Mesopotamia just to stick a linen belt in a rock. To walk back. To walk back. <laughs> And then go back and get it mm. and then walk back again and then wear it around. And and as Mike pointed out, the thing would have been manky and, and yeah. gross. But that thing which was meant to be an adornment and, and a feature, you've got a plain robe but you've got a, a lovely belt. Mm. But no, this belt is is putrid mm. and, um, and a way of talking about how God's people have – their behaviour reflects on him. Mm. Um, yep. And that what was meant to be an adornment to the God of the whole universe and live out that obedience that he'd given them instead become this putrid stretch oh, yeah. in it's rebellion. Just, and then the other side of it, of course, was that, um, that no one's going to listen, that you've got to go through that huge mm. effort and you've got to put yourself out there, you've got to have people hate you and yell at you and then they're not going to listen anyway. For, for them, in that circumstance, his message must be said and was important to be said, but would not be responded to. There would be this sense of futility, even though not every word is there to be responded to. Mm. Sometimes it's a proclamation of judgment and the lack of response is what shows that the judgment is 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 right and fair because yep. they're still turning a deaf ear to it. So some of those things were... were <laughs> and then, of course, there's the bit where Jeremiah sort of goes, "Oh man, these people are just not responsive, and 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 this is this is hard. And why don't you just do something about it now?" And then he says, "Mate, it's going to get worse." <laughs> so I'll just read that from verse five of chapter twelve. If you've raced with men on foot and they've worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? And you know your relatives, members of your own family. Even they have betrayed you. All of that sort of stuff. He's going, Jeremiah, settle in. Yeah. Because what I'm calling you to do is is going to be worse. Now, um, one of the things there is we need to remember what we learned in chapter one, right? Yep. That God had actually said, I'm, this is part of what you're going to be commissioned to do yep. and you will be safe. 
Yeah. So you've had he's had a word saying, mm. "I will protect you. I will make you like walls." Yes. Yeah. That that image. I really wish I could draw. I've taken one of these journaling uh, Bibles through mm. this picture, and as we got to that section, I'm like, I want to draw this picture that's got Jeremiah in it and kind of the city walls that I'm, chapter one. Yes. Yeah. yeah that yeah. God Himself has built around to protect Jeremiah because he's going to be attacked from every direction, mm. from every kind of person are going to be against him and the message that he is sending them that comes direct from God. And and it makes you think of the times when Jesus said so many of his provocative things and you read those uh, interesting passages in the Gospels where, um, but he got away, he he. Mm. he um, there's there's a couple of one there's one after the temple or something where they they decided they wanted to stone him and but he slipped their grasp mm. and you're going well what uh, how did he do that like they're all sitting there talking we've got to stone this guy oh where'd he go yeah. um, <laughs> but but that idea of God protecting mm. Jesus to to make the statements he needed mm. to make and then be heard because his time had not yet yes. come and of course yep. he ends up dying on a cross because. So it, that's certainly that idea that Jesus was just going around preaching love, peace, love, and mung beans, and you, you think, well, why did they crucify him then? Yeah. So, so what we thought we'd do today actually is not so much spend a whole lot of time in Jeremiah specifically. Last week we looked at the fact that God's anger was justified. This week we looked at the judgment that Jeremiah has to persistently and stubbornly even mm. proclaim, and we're going to get something similar next week, and because it, it's a feature of the book. And so what we thought we'd actually have a special edition of Sermon Seasonings where we just stop and reflect upon the challenge of giving the hard word, mm. some of the ways that we feel about it, how we can go about doing it better, and even making thinking about how we receive the hard word. Yeah. So we're just going to talk relationally today. So Mandy, you're going to kick us off. We felt like it was important to talk about how we receive the hard word first, didn't we? Yeah, because I think personally there's a real challenge in being able to receive criticism well. I was thinking as we look at the Proverbs and things like a wise woman is teachable. She's able to able to and willing to receive correction from others. Mm. And we want to be wise men and women, which means we need to actually be able to handle criticism that's given to us. Yeah, how, how do you, let me just ask you, how do you find... <laughs> Getting criticism. Does yeah. it just water off a duck's back for you? Um, oh, well, because Dave, I've got it completely sorted. So yes, yes you know, <laughs> people come to me and I say, please tell me and, and let me work out exactly how I can immediately put this into practice and change. Mm. Now I'm human. I sometimes find it hard. Mm. I often kind of go, oh, what? But that's not what I meant. That's not, oh, is that really what I did? No, 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 it's not that. And mm. But I want to be someone that can actually hear that if I've hurt someone, I want to be able to apologise and then I want to be able to correct what I'm doing mm. and I want to change. Mm. What about you? Yeah, um, I don't uh, – I can't imagine being someone who finds taking criticism easy. Uh, there's a one level where I, I go, I am I would like to think that I'm ready for it mm. or that I need to be ready for it. So I think I acknowledge intellectually that this is a good thing and I need to be able to, to listen. But there's always – it's always a, a there's always a sensitivity, especially if you sort of think um, – I mean, I don't want to think that I've hurt people mm. or I, I want people to think well of me. It's also one of the reasons why I certainly don't find going up and rebuking people easy either. Mm. Uh, it's it's both giving and receiving rebuke is, is not an easy thing. It's not overly pleasant. And I know very few people who in ministry or anywhere else that, that find it easy. There are some people that are tough as nails or just the way they're wired means that just doesn't seem to penetrate inside. But I think for yeah. most of us there's a vulnerability. So so doing 
getting wise about it is is good um and certainly the wisdom of 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 being able to receive it yeah uh, as, as why do you actually why do you think uh, we're going a bit off script here but why do you think it's so important that the first thing we look at is how we receive it well because i think it's actually about coming before god humbly and so i think before i i mean it's what we're talking about in Matthew with the take the log out of your own eye before mm. you take before you point to the splinter in someone else's. Mm. I think I'm not perfect. Mm. I'm a sinner who Jesus has died for, mm. which means that I'm going to stuff things up. And sometimes the hard word that I need to hear is a hard word that comes from God direct that actually shines on me and says, "Mandy, get your life together." Mm. Mm. Um, and so I'm going to have that hard word needing to come to me from God. But I also will need that sometimes from other people. And I think if we can actually receive that word and actually sift it and think it through and then rightly repent and live it out, it also means then that the way that I go to someone else and say, oh, Dave, when you did that, this is how I felt and this is what happened, Mm. that I'm actually going to be able to offer you criticism in a way that is actually much more helpful because I'm one that knows how to receive and take that criticism myself. Yeah, yeah. so it's almost like it gives you an emotional intelligence that and helps train us in emotional intelligence as well as, as, yeah. as we seek to, to speak to others because we know what it's like to be rebuked yeah. um, and to receive it and so therefore we'll be perhaps more careful um, yeah. in the way we put things and, yeah. and the tone that we use. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we might have jumped into some future yeah. things there, but I thought, well, let's, let's talk about that. Uh, we came up with a few Proverbs things. Um, Proverbs has a lot to say about hearing correction. It does. And, and, <laughs> it, and it really puts it on a pedestal, doesn't it? Yeah. So Proverbs twelve fifteen, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Mm. Yep. What about pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. There's an importance there that not only is the wise person able to take rebuke while the fool isn't, uh, the response to criticism marks what the believer is like. How are you going to respond when someone actually offers that word to you? Mm. So, so um, in Proverbs thirteen, we read, "He who scorns instruction will pay for it, but he who respects a command is rewarded." Mm. Uh, instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. I remember there's another passage that I, I've I've quoted before. That idea of I think it's like a like a silver pear on a gold tray is a, a word of rebuke from a wise man or something mm. like that. I, yeah. I I didn't get the quote out, <laughs> but but that idea of actually there there's a a, a wisdom and in, in a godly heart mm. that is wants to embrace what will help make us more um, fit and obedient servants of our our Lord who's. We want to know yeah. that. I think it's that's the idea. I want, I want to know what will help me to be um, a better person. Yeah. yeah, and so I think that the, the Proverbs paint a picture that actually says don't be defensive. Mm. Rather, hear the rebuke, take mm. it on board and work out how can that actually shape and mould me to mm. be more and more like my saviour. Yes. Um, and so, you know, and I think there's that helpful thing and we talked about this a little bit at the beginning there that because – Whatever someone has to say about me, it's no worse than what Jesus already has to say about me because of <laughs> yes. my sin. Yep. yep. <laughs> like there is an honest sense in which I can go, no one can cut me down further than what God's word does in the gospel as I'm presented with my rebellion against him. Yeah. Anything that somebody else spots, well, there's a whole lot they didn't spot that they yep. could have spotted. 
but that certainly the God has. Has, yes. yeah. And so there's one sense in which there's that we're absolutely flattened by our own sinfulness before God. But at the same time, we've then also got that lofty, the way that we are lifted up in Jesus. Mm. Because he has died for us and paid for our sin, we are completely forgiven and transformed. And he's now given us his spirit, which lives within us and transforms and changes us to be more and more like Jesus. So at the same time, I am the worst of the worst. I am the best of the best because I'm now seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus, my Lord. Yes, my unrighteousness has been replaced by his righteousness. But that very, very important reality that my unrighteousness, how bad is it? How mm. it needed the Son of God to die. That's how bad yeah. for, for, for it to be paid for. The, the, the truth of my sin is a reality that even I haven't grasped mm. the depths of it, which is why you know, no one can grasp the height nor the depth nor the, the length of the width of, of, of God's love for us and his mercy for us in Christ, mm. that he would overturn that and actually make us and declare us to be righteous. It's the, the reality of understanding oneself to be a sinner, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that that means that we can hear criticism without being crippled or defeated because I don't need to fear man's criticism because I've already agreed with God's criticism. Mm. And I won't look ultimately for man's approval because I've got God's approval. Mm. And so I think when people are criticising us, we need to think this is the way that God works through his people to sharpen and change us and make us more like Jesus. So when someone has a criticism of me, that could actually be God's way of helping me, of correcting me, rebuking me, warning me, humbling me so that I can actually be more like Jesus rather than continue in my own sinful way. Mm. And I think there's a there's that uh, an expression that you've used before, um, weeding out the root of pride. Mm. I, I guess really <laughs> like that as a as a description. That is because uh, pride is the reason mm. that we we uh, find things hard to take. Yep. And um, and there's something liberating about not not it's not about beating up on ourselves and going around going, woe is me, I'm a horrible worm, because I'm not. I am made in the image of God, mm. I'm loved by him, and I am saved in Jesus Christ, and I am worth, uh, that's an incredible yeah. worth. But at the same time to go, but it's I can rejoice because it's all of him. Mm. And uh, and I don't, uh, you know, that, that sense of pride that says I, I can't, it's all about me and, and my... I guess I'm freed of my own self-absorption. Yeah. And well, at least we need to be strive to be free yeah. from that. Yeah. Yeah. And so we want to have that heart that's growing, mm. you know, and seeking after God's wisdom and understanding um, and the goodness and truth that is found only in Jesus. Mm. And so I actually think that if we can take criticism, and sometimes it's going to be just and right, and sometimes it's going to be a bit unjust, mm. but actually being able to take that on board will help us to learn to give it with gracious intent and then helpful results so that we can actually give people that hard word in a way that actually doesn't tear them down but builds them up and actually helps them to live a godly life. Yeah, I think there's a, a, a rightness in seeking, in listening for truth. Mm. And so even though the agent of that truth might be somebody who's actually really is trying to score it over you yeah. and, uh, and does not have your best interests at heart, wants, doesn't like you, wants to rub it in, uh, there is a sense of there's a liberation in going, you know, I don't, I don't altogether care. It's much better when it's from somebody that I love and respect and who trust. I who trust. But if I'm sitting there going, is this true? 
then the person who uh, is actually trying to drag me down, God might be using to help me and to yep. build me up um, against their best in- interest. In- interest. Yep. Um, and I'm w- and there's a, there's something that is that's a thing to aim at to be able to say, you know, I don't care where the criticism comes from. If it's right, and I'm listening for truth, I want to embrace it because I want to be more like Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think then kind of moves us from where we've been to then thinking that. I think our world actually means that there are factors that make the hard word hard to hear. Yeah, so if we move now from how do we receive the hard word, let's let's talk about the substance that's probably more collect, connected yep. with Jeremiah and that is how how do we give it. Um, I think what, what are some of the things that make giving the hard word hard? I, our culture moves increasingly to making that hard mm. because we live in a culture when how a person feels is is the great moral right yep. okay, and moral good. It's the most important thing. So if you offend someone or you criticise them, that is harming them. Mm. I felt um, I, I, you didn't approve of me. Just even not approval is actually to to be throwing barbs, which yep. which of course is, is not true. But, but when you live in a culture where it's all about how people feel – and where being offended is is just some horrible thing, yeah. it, it's a it, there's a cultural pressure to stay silent, mm. and to just validate everything. Yes, and and never never speak up. Um, but what we need to understand is that that's like um, that's like I need to exercise. I need to work, or or I get weaker mm. if I never speak up. It becomes harder to speak up. Yeah. It's it's like okay, I'm noticing my, my example on my exercise. I haven't been able to exercise for do any real exercise for six months because of this heart thing, right? Um, but I was trying to mow the lawn the other day, and after about four or five rows of it, pushing yeah. it across the grass, I was going, "Man, I'm stuffed." You know, this mm. is how I feel after twenty minutes of socket. Normally, yeah. it, it's that kind of idea of a lack of practice. But if under that pressure, and sometimes it's, oh, "I don't want to exercise," and that's why we don't do it, and then it just gets harder. Well, if we give in to the pressure to shut up and stay mm. silent and never say anything just in case somebody might be offended by it, um, it becomes harder next time yeah. and harder the time after that and harder the time. You've got truth is a muscle and you need to work it regularly. Um, one of the other things that makes it hard is power imbalances mm. in relationships. And yeah. so it's if we – if we're doing the chicken thing and doing the pecking order and where am I sitting with relative to you, if we're, if we're, if we're doing that and somebody we work out where well, you're my peer or even you're somebody who I'm probably in a, in a, in a position of authority over or something like that, it's, it's easier to speak up and correct them yeah. than to speak to, the, to people who are older than us, people that, who are over us in authority and so even why that that's sometimes the most important times to speak up, but we won't do it because we feel an, a power yeah. imbalance. Yeah. Um, so what I thought I'd do is is um, in, in speaking the hard word, I want to talk about a few tips on mm. how to speak the truth in love and, uh, and some things to watch out for. One of the things that we need to watch out for when we are being brave and we're getting up and we're speaking the truth is uh, – and why actually we need to speak the truth to – to people that um, we're that it actually concerns is we need to be careful not to what I, the phrase poison the well. Mm. So I'm not sure if people are familiar with the expression to poison the well. Um, in times of war or feud, it wasn't uncommon for a person to go to their enemy's well and stick poison in it, mm. or stick something dead that's putrid and is going to make it poisoned. Right. Yep. Um, 
see, once news gets out that that well has had something done to it, well, no one wants to go to the well anymore. It's been poisoned. It forever has got a cloud over it. And so once it's been poisoned, how do you find out when the well becomes clean again? Who's going to be the first to risk their life and by testing the water of that well? So poisoning a well, and you can see how that's used relationally. Mm. We can do that with people. Gossip, slander, rumours, um, uh, taking all of, airing all of our grievances with people for whom it doesn't concern. Yeah. But saying who it's about or leaving it very obvious as to who it's about, um, they can make our problem with someone everyone's problem with that person. If you go telling everyone what someone did against you or did against someone else, you actually prejudice them against that person. That person becomes tainted in the eyes of others. And this can happen with regard to people, groups of people, even even churches can get yep. reputations. Um, the well is poisoned. That person or group of people is prevented from being judged on their merits or being treated fairly, and and we do that sometimes as a bit of a, a weapon. And it might it might be because they've hurt you. It might be because they hurt someone else. It might be that they've done something that they should be ashamed of, and you think it's a good story. Or it could be the old thing of just putting someone else down so that you appear better or feel better about yourself. Um, and whether it's the truth is not, um, or not is is not necessarily relevant. But you ask yourself. And this is what we need to do. Is it loving for me to say this? Mm. We as Christians have got to rise above this kind of stuff. Is it important that this person hears what I'm about to say, as in the the non-offending yeah. person? Um, will this build them up? Uh, maybe the answer is yes. It's loving to warn someone of danger. We need to not underplay that. Um, or to re- recommend they be careful. And I thought I might talk a bit about, because sometimes when we feel like uh, deeply offended, we want to get some wisdom yeah, and uh, we, am I right to feel this way? And so I want to say it's uh, people that make it a blanket rule that if you've been offended by someone, you automatically have to go to that person first. It's it's not always as simple as that, mm-hmm. especially as I said, when power dynamics are involved and other things, or even self doubts yep. come in. And that's why it might be okay for you to talk to someone you trust and say, "Hey, this is." And ask people who you also trust will be confidential about it themselves. It's I think it's okay to air your grievance with one or two people, as long as it's with a view to saying, "Am I right to feel this way? Does this sound like them to you?" Mm. Um, you know, where, where you're trying to get counsel, and even can you give? How do I deal with this? You know, when the idea is I'm trying to do what is right and deal with this properly, and so I might talk to a couple of other people. Yep, and that's the difference between it's not just talking about the situation to a whole lot of people for the sake of talking about the situation. Hmm. It's actually talking about it to help you to understand better so that you can actually know what the right and wise step is. Hmm. Because sometimes we can, I know that I can do it. Someone says something and I get really offended about it. But when I have the time to stop and reflect and talk to someone else, you actually go, this is something that can go straight through to the keeper. Exactly. It doesn't, I maybe don't actually have to go up and speak to the person. Maybe I just needed to vent in a trusted, in a safe space and reflect upon it and go, is it really that bad? Yes or or, or no. No. But the thing we've got to protect, be careful about is rationalisation such that, oh, I think I need to air it with that person. Oh, and I need to air it with that person. You're going, well, hang on. That's what's called slander. That is when you actually are putting someone else down in other people's eyes, um, in a sense, taking advantage of the relationship you have with the person that you're sharing Mm. 
it with in order to get your self-support um, at the other person's expense. Whereas you kind of, there comes a point where you're going, I've, I've gotten the wisdom I need, either I shut up and put up with it or I deal with it and then deal with it with a person, person. that it concerns. Otherwise, it doesn't have integrity. And yep. integrity's got to really underline a lot of this. I think um, we'll talk about warning, but but I guess the thing I'd say on that is is warning is important, especially when it comes to false teaching or, or stuff like that. Um, but even then, there is a wisdom of going uh, uh, or, or, or a, an appropriate order of things where you go, um, I'm going to speak to the person first and if they refuse to listen to that. Now, we'll actually, there's a passage of the Bible that might help us with that um, that we'll deal when we do about going about it. So I thought I'd give um, uh, six tips on on not being afraid of rebuke. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, I'm, I'm not talking about telling someone off. Telling someone off is not a Christian principle. This is about how to give a rebuke. Um, it's one of the hardest things we're called to do as Christians, and a number of things make this hard. You know, one, we know that we're as soon as two, mm. and so we can feel hypocritical. Two, we don't like conflict, especially with people we love or whose friendship we enjoy, whose approval we desire, and so we don't say anything. Three, um, it takes effort and can be unpleasant, so we don't do it for that reason. Four, we often don't take rebuke well ourselves, as we've spoken mm. about, and so we fear speaking it to others because we know what we would do. <laughs> um, five, we're afraid of what their reaction would be. And, and six, we feel like it's not our place or we, mm. we, we don't have the authority to say that. So there's all these reasons why uh, we may not say anything. But we've got to think hard about what if we don't. Mm. Because to not speak in situations where people are in danger actually puts them at more of a risk. Mm. Like it makes me think of the classic situation where you've got a child that is near something hot mm. and it's like, you know, well, like, you know, how dare you rebuke them and yell at them and tell them to not touch the hot pot? Mm. I'm like, I'm sorry, but the damage is going to be worse if they touch the hot pot. Yes, that's right. Um, you, you don't go, I want to affirm your desire to touch that hot pot. No, you, that, that's, that's, um, that is a neglectful mm. parenting um, but but or, or even if it's not your parent, who cares yeah. who the kid is? If they're about to stick their finger in a PowerPoint, you tell them to stop it. Um, and in fact, you're 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 harming them. Mm. You, you're it, it's uh, what that phrase about the, the the danger of when good people do nothing. Nothing. And yep. so so when when um, somebody's salva- salvation is at stake, when the honor of Jesus Christ is at stake, because it is a Christian who is acting in an ungodly way and dragging down, down the name of Jesus, well, you, you can't say nothing. Mm. That's that's just just wrong. Um, we want to protect people from sin. We want to protect them from harm. Uh, we want to protect the unity of the church. We want to restore relationships. Mm. If we do nothing and say nothing, then we dishonor God and we dis and we don't we don't we show we don't love people. Yeah. So you, it might be hard, but doing nothing is is uh, is not the option. In fact, it's a bit cowardly. Yeah. yeah. So so how do we do it? How do we do it in a way that actually helps people and helps them to grow? Yeah. Well, I think there's a a, a couple of things we might talk a bit about um, about Matthew. So there's two two passages. One of them comes from Matthew 18. Yep, so from verse uh, 15. Yes. Uh, If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault, just between the two of you. 
If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Yeah, now... Matthew 18 can be taken quite rigidly by, mm. by Christians where it's almost like I spoke to them and they didn't. Great, now I get to go to stage two. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not about that. It's about a wisdom here. You can see something in there where it's about starting privately. Now, mm. the reason it starts privately is because once you take something into the public, it involves shame. Yeah. So if I'm speaking to you about something that I've seen you do that was ungodly or whatever else like that and I'm, yep. I'm seeking to correct you that you may be restored, um, then it's between you and me. Hopefully yep. you'll be able to go, oh, yeah, I did do that and address it and it keeps it – it's it's kind of loving. I'm not wanting to drag your name through the dirt. I'm not wanting everyone to feel disproved. I just, I just yep. want you to know what you did and yep. get better yep. at it, right? Um, so, so you've won them over. That's the idea. And that's what, by the way, is if your, your brother or sister sins, it's not just sins against you, mm. actually, which is yeah. sometimes the way this is. Yeah, is it's understood. only ever used in personal yeah, kind of conflict, is, but uh, it's actually broader than that. It's broader than that. It's taking it's brothers and sisters in Christ taking responsibility for one another and for the honor of Christ in His mm. church. So, so that first step is to go. We don't. We're not about um, shaming people yet. Yeah. Because there actually is a place for that. Um, so, for instance, our initial goal is, is change, it's restoration, it's repentance, it's their salvation. It's not about whether I win or not. Mm. Um, but let's say if there's a stubborn refusal to that, then the idea is that you take one or two others along so that, in a sense, you can say, here's Fred and Jane, and they were there too. Yeah. And so the three of us are saying to you, this is really something you've got to deal with. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it is a, it is not an amb- it's not a thing that's up for dispute and so so there's yeah. that idea of just slowly escalating it as you need to and then it's bring it before the church because um, shame is something that we should be very very reluctant to bring but actually sometimes the Bible says when something is truly shameful, it's actually there's an appropriateness yeah. especially yeah. if the person is stubborn and high-handed in their sin which is the case of this person in Matthew, yeah. if it gets to that third point. Yeah. That you're actually going, there's a sense that the rest of the church is to take warning. It's also why in 1 Timothy, when you read about rebukes, that um, that um, you don't rebuke an elder, for instance, and this is age, but it's also in terms of position, so someone in ministry, mm-hmm. you, you don't rebuke them um, just casually. You know, it, it's, it's a very serious thing because they're appointed as... As, as leaders over God's people and yep. there is a position of honour that comes mm. with that. And you need to treat everyone honourably, mm. but there is a sense where you are to treat those who are placed over on you with special honour. Honour. Which means, and honour is a public thing. Yep. And so then there's the correlating exactly. that for when, when they sin in such a way, it means that it's right for that to then be made, and particularly if they're unrepentant, for that to be made public. It's explicitly said it is to be done publicly yep. so that others take warning. Yep. So let's just say I go and steal a car and I thought I got away with it, but there was two or three people that witnessed. They corrected me about it and I didn't deal with it. But if I do something like that, then me, David Mears, yep. then um, then the rebuke for that needs to be in front of the people. 
Mm. And the fact that you go, oh my gosh, imagine being publicly rebuked. Yeah, horrible. It's mm. shameful. Yep. Don't let it happen to you. Yep. And so there's a warning that comes from that. Yep. So so that's that. But there's another passage that is, is obviously very important for this. In fact, there's a few in Ephesians 4. Yep. Um, so we're going to look at, at, at three sections from Ephesians 4, two short ones and a slightly longer one. So verse 15, then verses 25 to 26, and there's verses 29 to the beginning of chapter 5. Do you want to read those for yep. us? Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. For from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And then down to verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's a great passage and series of passages that talk about, on one hand, the importance of speaking truth, but at the same that the way you do mm. it and your goal in doing it is also important. Yeah, It's to be about love. It is not to be out of um, rage or something like that because when, you're, when you let your anger take control, you will, you will move from saying something that is constructive and helpful mm. for building the person up and, and helping to correct them to actually releasing your own satisfaction by lashing out at them. Mm. Yep. Um, and tearing down. It's sort of, yes. It is that difference between we build one another up in the mm. body rather than use those same words that we could use to tear one another down and destroy each other. Yep, yep. So I thought there's a, a few things that we might – and in, in almost in order of, of yep. how to go about speaking the hard when you know you've got to say it. First of, the, of all is pray about it mm. uh, because you, you, you're sweating on it anyway. You need God's peace because yep. you're, you're having sleepless nights rehearsing the conversations you're going to have. Um, yeah, pray about it and pray that you will find the right, right words. Pray that you will be godly and not... Um, uh, in a sense, descend into sin yourself in the way you go about it, and that what that he might also work in the person that you're speaking to. Um, what are the things you're worried about? How they might react? Yeah. Why don't you pray yeah. about those things? So, so actually, prayer is again mm. the the first protocol, not the last one. Yeah. Um, the second thing is is humility. Mm. So. Uh, there's a few kinds of humility that we need to take when we're going to say the hard word. First of all is what I'm going to call epistemic humility. In other words, be humble about what you know and what you don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, and when uh, if you only speak about what you know to be true, so it's about declaring truth, not rumour. Mm. And um, also then as a, as a first port of call, when you think, I think I need to rebuke this person, but I'm not 100% sure – Seek clarification for what you suspect before you rebuke. Mm. So you know, the conversation might begin by by saying something like, "Listen, um, 
I understand that the other day this happened. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. we need to talk about that. And and you know, so ask your clarifying flying point. Other, unless it's a case of I saw so, you do this. Yeah. Um. What was the story there? Mm. Even just know there might be something I don't know. Yeah. Don't let that be a reason for not saying anything. But but so have a, a bit of a epistemic humility before you before you rebuke the person. Clarify first. Um. Have a humility in manner. Mm. So that it doesn't come across like you're you're um, lording it over them. Because again, what's your goal? Not to win, not but, to push yourself up, to build, them, to build up. them up. And so you don't want your manner getting in the way, mm. um, and even the tone of your voice. As much as you can, as passionate as you feel about it, um, try to keep your tone under control. You know, if they they'll be able to sense if there's a lot of angst behind it, yeah. but but don't lash out. Because again, if they respond if they respond negative you you want them to be responding negatively to truth not, not to, to your manner yeah right um so that's so prayer humility the next thing would say be specific mm. so um and be careful about generalizing so it's often about uh, saying listen this is the issue that i think you need to be confronted with mm. this is the sin that I think you, uh, it's clear that you're struggling with, but it, you need to understand that it's a sin and I'm rebuking you for it. Be, be specific, don't generalise. Yep. So you mean I shouldn't say, you always do this. Yeah, exactly. You never do that. Mm. Um, you know, those really big generalisations because then it makes it very easy for someone to just dismiss it out of hand because mm. they go, the well, I can think of the one time that I did do that or the one time I didn't do that. Exactly. It's, it's like those... Um, it's like you know the bank tellers when when those shoot up screens mm. where uh, if you put enough barbs in there those screens will shoot up and then you'll never get yeah get because they'll go hang on a minute what about the time when I whereas you want to be specific and say hey the other day you did this mm. and I've noticed you do it a few times uh, I'm not I don't believe that that's helpful I don't think that's what God would want you to do yeah um, and so so that's a way where you're being specific and not blowing it out. Um, the, third, the next thing after that, so prayer, humility, spe be specific. And then the next thing is is show courage. Mm. Uh, a lot of the reasons we go, it, it's hard and so I avoid it. Um, there's no glory in gutlessness, mm. especially when that gutlessness means that someone persists in dragging Jesus' name down or when that yep. gutlessness means that the person sticks their finger in the PowerPoint. Yep. Um, you've, you've, at some point in time, you've just got to summon up the courage and do it. And pray about it. If you've got a trusted friend, say, I need to have a hard conversation later. Um, can you pray for me? Because yeah. this is going to be hard, but I've got yeah. to do it. Yeah. And even in that, you can say that to someone without telling them the content of the hard conversation that you need to have or who yeah. it's with. Exactly. So now we've talked about there are times to get the wise counsel, but often sometimes what you can do is you can just ask people to pray yep. for that situation and they can be praying for you as you then go because into that God conversation. Because God knows what the situation is. Exactly. And yeah, yeah, that's yep. right. Um, uh, now, a, a word here for those. Um, so some are, are just, you're fearful. I get that. Um, but sometimes people love criti critiquing. Oh. It's just the way they're wired means that they notice all of the holes all over the place. To be honest, that can be a gift. That can be yep. a strength. You, you just notice what needs fixing. You, you've, you've got a um, an eye for what's missing. Here's, here's a word for the person who is naturally critical, and that is um, be consistent. And what I mean by that is um, your critical eye should also notice what's good. Mm. 
You're, and, and if you are prepared, find it very easy to go and correct people, you need to develop the skill of being finding it very easy to encourage people and praise what is good. Mm. Um, uh, in my own experience, I've, I've done church where there's been lots of people who, who can fit this category. And I'll be honest with you, the ones I really listen to are the ones who I know are as ready to notice the good thing as they are to notice the bad thing. Mm. That's when, when they say, raise the thing that they're critiquing, I go, I know you're on board. I know, I know you're prepared to acknowledge the good, and that means that I'm all ears when you're yep. when you're using the gift of way God's wired you yep. to bring up the negative. Um, so so be courageous. If you're critical, be you know be, be consistent and and be positively critical even as you're negatively critical. Yep. Uh, the other thing is the wisdom to know. Here's the thing: what you pray for all the time is pray for wisdom. Mm. Um, not everything needs to be said. Some things must be said. Yep. And and it's the wisdom to know which is which. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's like I was saying, it boils down to it, you've just got to have courage. Well, also there's no escape. There's no simple rules. You've got – you need God's wisdom. Mm. And so um, a great example of, of this is – also the other thing is does it really matter? Mm. It might be true what you've spotted, but what's the degree of to which it – actually matters and has to be followed through. Um, so there's a famous proverb that says, do not answer a fool according to his folly or you yourself will be just like him. It's kind of like you to be descend, don't descend to other people's level. level. And to yep. some extent, folly shows itself, yep. right? Um, but then the very next verse says exactly the opposite. Answer a fool according to his folly or he will be wise in his own eyes. eyes. What do you think that's about? Well, I guess it's that whole thing of that. So sometimes what you want to say is like, shut it down. Mm. It's just, it's not worth going there. But there's also the sense in which if you don't correct someone when they're wrong, they're going to think that you're actually agreeing with them. Yep. And exactly. they're going to continue in their foolishness. Yep. So it just goes to show there's a wisdom of you've got to know the time and place. And that's one of the things that makes it hard, but it's no excuse not to do it. Um, last, remember, the Lord is witness mm. and of everything it, lord will hold us to account for every careless word said now that's good be, because on one hand it should be a, a challenge to us to make sure that we don't just let our mouth go and mm. be be flippant or careless about it and so we must in what we do remember that the lord knows and can see what we're saying mm. yeah um and 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 what we're doing but the other side of it is is that and this is where the jeremiah stuff comes back in again if they scorch you, if they just yell at you and storm off and it's absolutely the worst thing, if you have entered that conversation with integrity, if you have sought to speak the truth and only the truth, if you've done it as lovingly as you could, as prayerfully as you could, if you've used scripture, yeah. because often, you know, it's it's as we'll read in a bit, um, all scripture is useful for doing this. And so if people reject what scripture says, they're rejecting the authority of God, not your yeah. authority. You're doing all of that and they still storm off. Remember, God is witness. God knows what you did and why you did it. Yeah. And that can be a great solace. I mean, a real great yeah. comfort yeah. when you cop heat unjustly. Yeah. Um, so um, we thought what we do is now um, – uh, it's a great thing to talk through, but we thought we'd actually let the final word be about Scripture. So do you want to read? We're going to read from 2 Timothy, and this is where Paul gives an exhortation to the, to his young protege who's, who's leading a church and who has to have courage and speak the truth. 
Go for it. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. It's a it's a great passage. So, um, brothers and sisters, um, be bold, be courageous, speak the truth, use the scriptures, um, be prayerful, do everything with integrity and love, and. When you stuff up, admit to who you who you've stuffed up um, that you blew it. Yeah. Admit to God, um, but 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 don't fall back into tim- timidity, um, because and take heart from this that there's going to be an eternity of peace mm-hmm. where you don't ever have. No one is going to need to be rebuked, um, but in the mean, meantime, that there's challenge that comes with that. Yeah. I mean, last things you want to say there, Mandy. I was going to say, I think you said it for me. It's just that perfect picture of the way that we've been given grace and so we need to speak that grace into others. But speaking the hard word will actually help people to change and to be more like Jesus. So Hmm. I want to hear that hard word because I want to be more like Jesus. So that's our special edition. Uh, I know it's gone a bit longer, but I hope it's – this is the stuff of life, right? And so I hope that it's helped you um, as you think through Jeremiah and just your lives and ha- how to be able to speak the truth and to do it more boldly and to say the hard word when you need to. So I've been Dave. And I've been Mandy. Join us again next week as we dig into Jeremiah 21 to 24 and think about what the future is and who is in control of it. 